Good morning. So uh, Friday was the official start of summer, and uh, if you're like me, you're glad to see summer get started. That hopefully means spring is over, and it's going to stop raining. Um, I told you last week about a mower I have that keeps breaking belts, and it uh, breaks a belt every two and a half times. I had mowed two weeks, so I was waiting for it to break this week. It did not break this week, but that's because I didn't mow. So uh, actually, I was checking to see if my yard was dry enough to mow. I think I've got a picture. There I am out of my backyard. Wasn't quite, wasn't quite ready yet. So, um, so uh, yeah, I'm going to ask you to look another week. If you see me this week with my mower broke down or my yard halfway mowed, uh, give me a shout. I might be able to use your help. Uh, today, we're going to start uh, looking back into the Ten Commandments. We're on commandment number five. Honor your father and mother. And it's at this point in the Ten Commandments that we start to see a shift happen. I don't know if you've noticed that before. When Jesus was asked about what the greatest commandment was in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 22, he answered by saying this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law... And prophets hang on these two commandments. The Ten Commandments can be summarized, Jesus says, by just two statements. Love God and love others. So up to this point, we've been talking about loving God. If you've been here the last four weeks, or if you're following along online, you should have noticed that theme. Commandment number one, have no other gods. There's no other God. Uh, He loved you. He set you free. He adopted you into his family. You were created to live in a certain way. Commandment number two, make no idols. When we put other things besides God at the center of our lives, we're worshiping that thing and we start to become like it. You were created to live with God at the center of your life. So you worship Him, so you're becoming more like Him. Commandment number three, don't take the name of the Lord in vain. When you claim to be a follower of Jesus or a child of God, you have taken God's name. If you do that and it doesn't change your life, you are taking his name in vain. You're making his name worthless. Make God's name holy instead. Claim its power. Commandment number four, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. You were created to live in the rhythm of a six-day week of work and one day of rest and focus on God. When we don't set aside time to rest and to focus on God, when we don't make a day of the week different from all the other days, we live outside of the way where we we were created. And we talk about all those, and when we live outside of that way where we were created, the boundaries, we call that sin. And we should know by now that sin leads to suffering. Not necessarily a punishment that happens to us, but the suffering that comes from living outside of the way God created us to live. And when we do that, bad things happen. You may remember we said it hurts us and it hurts those around us. So God gave us this law because he wants what's best for us. He's not a faraway dictator who's trying to keep his thumb on us so he can control us. He's a loving father who wants us to live a fulfilled and eternal life. 
Sin distorted that image of God we were created in. Remember we said that it was a marred image that got passed on uh, from Adam. God's trying to bring us back to that image of him. Back to his image. It's the epic story of the, end of the universe. The battle that's taking place. And these commands help us to understand this. Is God going to be able to take back what he created that had been distorted by Satan? And all these things point to Jesus who does that work of reconciliation, that work of restoring us back to the likeness of God. So we've been talking about these first four commandments, and all of them have to do with how uh, we love God. And it really seems like the commandments are in order of importance. I don't know if you've ever noticed that before, but they seem to be in order of importance. Jesus says the greatest command is to love God. So the first four commandments teach us how to love God. And today we shift from the commandments about loving God to the commandments about loving others. And in keeping with this idea of the Ten Commandments being in order of importance, we see the first love other command deals with how we relate to our parents. This, I believe, in God's eyes, is of first importance in, the, in those relationships. Now I want to pause here for just a moment and talk about this command and how difficult this scripture can be for many people, for some people in this room. I know that there are some of you here who don't even know who your parents are. You might have been raised in foster care or with grandparents. Maybe you know your mother but never knew your father. Some of you grew up living with your parents, but they weren't honor-worthy. They didn't lead you to Christ, and they gave you very little support. Others in the room had a father who provided for you, but never connected with you emotionally. And he didn't model particularly good character. And there may be some of you here today that are parents who are dealing with rebellious children, and you may not even have a relationship with an adult child. I imagine that talking about this commandment for you can be very difficult. I imagine that if you looked ahead and saw what we were talking about today, you might have had a hard time getting out of bed this morning. Maybe you had a hard time getting ready, and maybe you're surprised you even made it here today. And I want you to know that I recognize that pain that you deal with on a daily basis. I haven't experienced it. But I know that it must be a scary place for you to be today to open up your heart and mind to what God's teaching in this commandment through his word. But I want you to remember this before we get started. He's a loving father. Some of you have trouble even understanding what that means. You don't have any example of a loving father in your life. But God is a loving father and he wants to show you what that means. In Jeremiah 29, God says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and to give you a future. That's the way that God sees you as a child of his. So I know there are some people here today who are very hurt. You're hurt because sin leads to suffering. When we live outside the way we were created, it hurts us and it hurts those around us. And some of you have been the collateral damage of other people's sins. Maybe your parents. Or maybe it was even your own sin that did damage and now you're sorry for that and want to see it fixed. And it doesn't really matter which of those situations you're in because the damage is already done. But God wants to restore you. 
So because I know this is going to be a difficult place to go today, I'd like us to start with prayer. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you again uh, for uh, today. And uh, Father, I specifically thank you right now for the chance I have every single week to gather back together here with uh, those I call brothers and sisters and uh, that we can uh, uh, be encouraged together to uh, seek you more and understand more about your word. And Father, I thank you for your word that teaches us how we can uh, be restored to the image that you created us in. Uh, Father, today I know is a scary place for a lot of people here to start talking about our relationship with our parents or with our kids. And Father, I just pray that we would have a sense of peace today knowing that you're going to take us there. You're going to take us to that scary place, but that you love us and you have us by the hand as we go. So Father, help us to see in your word how we could uh, change things we do this week to be closer to who you created us to be. And uh, Father, just pray for wisdom as we dig into that. We thank you most of all for Jesus right now. It's in his name we pray. Amen. So we're going to look back at Exodus chapter 20, back in the Ten Commandments. So we're in Exodus 20 chapter 12. Honor your father and mother so you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Now I want to pull out a couple interesting things about this command, and then we'll dig a little bit deeper into those. And uh, then we'll try to see if we can find some practical things to do even this week that might help us to uh, be living that way. The first thing we need to do is understand what that word honor means. So the original language, the word that's used here, means to make heavy. So it, it carries this idea of respect, that parents should be a significant priority in our life. Not necessarily bad, though the word sometimes can be used with a negative connotation. Here it's a positive idea that our parents are a heavy, important part of our life. So we are to respect our father and our mother. I think it's significant 3,500 years ago that this command includes mothers. It would have been strange that long ago in those cultures for any religion or culture to talk about honoring uh, mother or female. I think this is important because it shows that there aren't any exemptions in this command of honoring father and mother. It doesn't say to honor your father or your mother. It says honor father and mother. It puts the role of father and mother in high regard. God is elevating the family. Both mom and dad are important when it comes to raising a family. And the best way for a child to grow up is in a home with a father and mother. And I know this will upset some people in the room, and this is a hard thing to talk about. And if you're currently in the situation of raising a child alone, I hope you know that God's word and certainly not I are condemning you. You keep pressing forward and doing the best you can for your child. But I have to mention this because I think there is still hope for some fathers and mothers out there. I've spent a long time listening to parents say, we just want to do what's best for us. And our kids, they're, they're resilient. They'll be able to figure this out. But God's design was for a dad and a mom to raise kids together. We were created to grow up this way. And when dads and mom, moms leave, suffering happens. Honor your father and mother. The verse goes on to say, so that, it may, so that you may live long in the land your Lord God is giving you. So I want to dig into this a little bit. The command is also restated in Ephesians chapter 6. If you flip over to Ephesians 6, you'll see it says this, 
Paul says, restating this command, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. It's natural. It's the kind of thing that we should do. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. Maybe you noticed that when you looked at the uh, command in the Old Testament, that there seemed to be a promise there. That promise, Paul says, is similar to what is in the Old Testament, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. So some people have confused what this uh, command is about and what this promise means. This is a teaching of general wisdom that is certainly true. But it isn't a certainty that everyone who honors their parents will have long life. All of us have seen examples of that not happening. So when I think about this general wisdom, I think about my own kids. I think about how they do a pretty good job of honoring Angie and me. And they generally listen to the things we say. Because we say things like, do your best in school. Finish your homework. Learn to respect your teachers and others who have authority over you. Brush your teeth. Eat your vegetables. Don't put your... Don't punch your brother in the face. We say that every day. Don't drive 90 miles an hour. Take a shower. Don't stick your hand out the window when Russell's following us. (laughs) Sorry, I had to do that. (laughs) If our children listen to that, if our children take heed of our advice, it is general wisdom that says it's more likely that things will go well for them and they will have long life. They'll have a longer, better life. It's no guarantee. Accidents and disease happen in this fallen world. But as a general statement of wisdom, kids who do these kind of things have a longer, better life. Kids who rebel and who listen to their friends instead of their parents, they do the opposite of what their parents say. They're more likely to have a shorter and miserable life. Those of us who are older know this. When we're teens, we struggle to figure it out. So kids, honor your father and mother. So I want to talk about some practical things, and I'm going to stay with kids for a minute. Kids and students, there are a few of you in the room. If you're a child or student here today, honor your father and mother means that you should obey. Remember, there isn't an exemption for this command. Your job is to obey your parents. And I know some of you are in tough situations. Your parents may not be Christ followers. But that's not an exemption to get out of this command. You may think your parents are too demanding or too strict. That's not an exemption to get out of this command. I I think Colossians 3 speaks to you. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, Work at it with all your heart as though you're working for the Lord. I ask my kids to do a lot of tasks at our house. We ask them to take out the trash, to clean the room, to do the dishes. I know, we're brutal parents. And sometimes they complain about how hard we make them work and how they have so much to do. And that's when they get the lecture they love to hear about how when I was your age, they love that one. And I tell them about how I had to walk to school and it snowed even in June and I didn't have shoes to wear and it was uphill both ways. But the point is when we're in our teen years, and I think most of us did it too, when we're in our teen years we begin to test rebellion. And maybe some of your kids are even testing that a little bit younger than teen years. But rebellion, students, is not 
the way God created us to live. It will only lead to suffering. So obey your parents. And I think we miss how seriously God takes this in the Old Testament especially. But in Bible times, it was really a serious thing to not obey your parents. Proverbs chapter 30. Parents, you'll want to mark this in your Bibles. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 17. The eye that mocks the father, that scorns an aged mother. It also says there, the eye that disobeys his mother will be pecked out by ravens of the valley and will be eaten by vultures. So some of you parents are ready to go home. You got all you needed today. It's harsh. The Old Testament takes this very seriously, this idea of obedience for people who are under, uh, still under the um, authority of their parents. See, when we honor or obey our parents, we can expect things to go well. When we dishonor or disobey, we should expect them not to go well. It's the way that we and the idea of family were created. And God knows how we were created because he created us. And he knows that if we never learn to respect our father and mother when we're young, we will have a difficult time learning to respect and obey him when we're old. So adults, I want to talk to you now. Honor for you doesn't mean to obey anymore. So I know my kids are thinking, man, I can't wait till I'm an adult. I don't have to obey dad. If you are 15 and your mom says, paint the house pink, your job is to paint the house pink. If you're 35 years old and your mom comes to your house and says, paint your house pink, you don't have to do that. When we look at different scriptures throughout the Bible, we find that the language of obedience is used when speaking to children who are still dependent upon their parents. But there's a shift when it starts to talk about children who are adults, who all, most of us are. There's a shift where it starts to not use the word obedience, but uses the word honor. So how do we honor our parents as adults? We honor by having an attitude accompanied by actions that say to your parents, you are worthy, you have value, you are the person God placed in my life. There's a lot of fallout to that statement. I want to read it again, and you can take it wherever your mind goes. When we are adults, we honor our parents by having an attitude accompanied by actions that say to your parents, you are worthy, you have value, you are the person God placed in my life. That means something different to me than it might mean to you if your parents uh, need medical care in a nursing home. An attitude accompanied by actions that say you are worthy, you have value, you are the person placed in my life. It means something different to all of us, so, so think about that statement. I trust my dad a great deal, especially when it comes to things mechanical. He was always really good with mechanical stuff, and I remember learning the finer aspects of how you fix things from a young age. I remember being four years old. My grandparents still laugh about this. Um, I was with my grandfather, and he couldn't get a chainsaw started. He pulled it, and he pulled it, and he pulled it. And I finally told him, uh, Papa, you should try kicking it. That's what my dad always does. The apple doesn't far, fall far from the tree on that either. So my kids have seen me kick a lawnmower or two uh, when I couldn't get him started. But seriously, my dad is really good at fixing things. He's good with mechanical things, and I seek his wisdom even still today. I don't have to obey 
but I honor, I honor him by seeking his wisdom. Even though I'm an adult, I still seek wisdom and knowledge from my parents. So when I need help with something mechanical, I will consult my dad. This week, Angie and I needed to buy a car. Uh, so from the car lot, while the salesman was talking to me, I had my phone out asking my dad his opinion. I value his wisdom, not just in mechanical things, but things far more important than what kind of car we buy. Mark Twain once said, when I was a boy of 14, I was, uh, my father was so ignorant that I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much he had learned in seven short years. <laughs> when I was younger, I probably didn't have as deep an appreciation for my father's wisdom. But my job then was to obey. Now that I'm older, I don't have to obey. My job is to honor and I do that in part at least by valuing his wisdom and valuing them in other ways, my mother and father. So some of us in the room, though, have this situation of having a parent who is dishonorable. What do we do in that situation? I still believe that this commandment does not give us an exemption. I don't have experience with this myself, but I have talked to a few friends of mine. I have several friends in this situation, and one friend in particular, I think, gave me the best model of how to honor a dishonorable parent. His father left his family before he had a chance to even know him. So years later, my friend, who is a preacher, said he was about to preach on this story. So in the context of that, I want you to think about this story from Matthew 18. I'm just going to read the passage. Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus said, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. You owe nothing. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and he begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off, had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. When the master called the servant in, he said, you wicked servant. I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Should you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In his anger, the master handed him over to the jailer to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from the heart. So this friend of mine about to preach that message started thinking about his father. He started thinking about the feelings he had about his father because of what had happened. And he realized that if God had forgiven him, that he also, before he could get out on stage and preach that message, needed to forgive his father for the years of hurt that he had caused. So he sent him a message 
that very simply said, I forgive you. I think this is one of the big ideas from this command. Many adult children have bitterness about their parents. That bitterness can creep into your life and it can cause you to focus on the wrong things. I was thinking a couple weeks ago that I'm, I'm teaching my one son to drive. And I noticed that when we're on the road, when he's driving, he drives toward danger. I don't know if any of you have noticed that before. In the first few weeks, I got really angry about this. I remember thinking, why are you swerving toward the garbage truck that's coming at us? And I remember singing, Jesus takes the wheel the whole time as we're driving up 27. And then I realized what was happening was he was focusing on the potential disaster. I would say, watch out for this truck coming, and we would start to swerve toward the truck. I would say, watch out for that mailbox, and we would start to swerve toward the mailbox. He, he moved toward what he was focused on. And in the same way with any sin or failure or hurt or disappointment, when we have bitterness that comes especially from being hurt by our parents, we tend to focus on that and we tend to move toward it. We start to turn into the very thing we despise because we want to retaliate. We want to be vindictive. But that's not how God created us to live. So God gave us this command, honor our father and mother. And fathers and mothers aren't perfect. We need forgiveness like anyone else. And if we can learn to forgive them, especially the ones who have been dishonorable, if we can learn to forgive them them in spite of that, we can forgive anyone. That doesn't mean the relationship instantly turns great. But in our hearts, we can let go of bitterness. This command, I think, also speaks to parents, though. Parents of young children and parents of adults, we, uh, we've learned how to um, apply this command as children, which all of us are. But some of us here are also parents of children. So many of us have children, and our role as parent requires us to strive to be worthy of honor. So we should be making it easy for our children to honor us by showing them good character, integrity. If you have younger children, you need to be physically present. We've already talked about how important the family is, mother and father, but it's also important to be emotionally present. This is one that I have trouble with myself. And I hope someday my children will be able to forgive me for this because sometimes I find it hard to disengage from work and to engage with my family. But I've been more intentional about that this week, and maybe some of you struggle with that as well. And then sometimes I have inappropriate expectations for my kids. Our pediatrician always joked that our firstborn son was the firstborn of two firstborns. He really didn't have a lot of chances because expectations were high. So we try to work on making sure we have appropriate expectations. Parents, we should do that. At our house, it means we don't talk a lot about grades. We talk about doing your best and working as though you're working for the Lord. But the most honorable thing we can do for our kids is to lead them to Jesus. And that's the primary mandated role that Scripture gives to parents. And if we have adult children, being honorable means fighting for that relationship. If you have an adult child that you're not in relationship with, the most honorable thing 
The most God-honoring thing you can do is to seek forgiveness and reconciliation with that child. As a parent of an adult child, your job is to make it easy for that child to honor you. So have that conversation. Bathe that conversation in prayer and reach out just to say, we love you and we miss you. And leave that in God's hands. The God of reconciliation. 2 Corinthians says, God is reconciling the world to himself in Christ. And we are Christ's ambassadors. As Christ followers, if we have broken relationship with children, I think we need to reach out. And they may bristle and they may shut you down. But you've opened the door and you've been faithful to what God has called you to do. You've moved in the right direction. So there's another group I want to talk to today. I want to challenge you as well. Some of us have great relationships with our kids. Some of us have great relationships with our parents. How is it that we can honor father and mother this week? Well, it's always great to call your father and mother just to say, I love you. I talked to somebody in the gathering area between service that said they texted their mom after service. I thought that was cool. But there are other things we can do to honor father and mother. As a church, we can honor the role of father and mother. I know a family in this congregation who intentionally connects with younger parents to offer support and guidance, especially when they know that that person Maybe a, a mom who needs some help that doesn't have the support of a dad. And especially maybe people who they know didn't grow up with someone to model godly parenting. You can do that too. You can seek out a person that may need some help and just be an encouragement to them. But also, a week from today, we'll have a few families who've lost their home who will be staying with us here uh, just at our other building down south, just a few miles south. Their families are just like you and me. They're just like our families. But a series of events have put them in a difficult situation. And they're doing the best they know how to raise their kids. So Plum Creek partners with this program called Family Promise. And it will start next Sunday night. The, we'll have families who will be staying with us for a week. They're here. They'll be spending the night and eating here with us. And then during the day, they'll go uh, work with social workers to try to find a job, to try to get transportation, to try to find permanent housing, to try to figure out how to raise their kids. We need volunteers to sign up this week that can help us next Sunday through Sunday, the folks that can come in and uh, cook for these families, folks that might be able to spend the night at church to host, families that could come in and just spend the evening hosting, uh, or people who can help drive them to Newport so they can go meet with the social workers in the morning or afternoon. The whole time, we need people who are modeling what it means to be a Christ follower to these families. So this is a way that we do this at Plum Creek. It's a way for us to honor fathers and mothers. If you can help with just one of those tasks this week, together we can make a big impact on the kingdom by showing these moms and dads how important Plum Creek believes the family is. How we honor father and mother. And you can sign up to help with that at the information center right after service. So this has been a pretty heavy message to prepare for because I have all these ideas about uh, what this command means and what it means for me may mean a lot different for you. 
And it's been difficult to think about all those things. And I know some of you, it's been difficult to even listen to. And I know some of you are thinking, yeah, I heard what you said about what maybe I should do, but I've been hurt, and I'm not going to do any of the stuff you just talked about because it's just too hard to open that door again. But there's a bigger promise in this passage. The bigger promise is that God doesn't want families to fall apart because it hurts those around us when we act dishonorably. And our family doesn't have to fall apart if the whole family can keep God at the center. But some of you are part of a family that has already fallen apart. And to you, I want you to know that God is an incredible, loving Father. Even if your family relationships are never going to be restored because you've been abused, because you've been deserted, that relationship maybe is never going to heal. God wants to heal the relationship that He has with you. He wants to be the father that some of you never knew. I want to close thinking about 1 John chapter 3. I love this passage. See what great love the father has lavished on us. Some of us don't know what it means to have love lavished on us, but that's what God wants to do. That we should be called children of God. And that's what we are. The reason the world does not know us, is that it didn't know him. Dear friends, we are now children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, listen to this, we shall be like him. That's really what the commandments were all about in the first place. We were created in God's image. And we messed that up. It was distorted. The commandments were to say, this is what God's image looks like. Be restored to that. But we know we couldn't do it on our own. So we learned through the New Testament what Jesus does. And 1 John here talks about it. When Christ appears, we shall be like him. Our good Father is making us like Jesus. Back to the image or the likeness that we were created in. Let's pray. Father, I uh, thank you again uh, for today and for the chance to be together here. And Father, uh, this uh, sometimes we find in Scripture things are very hard to talk about uh, because uh, our lives can get messy and people can get hurt. Father, sometimes we are hurt because of the actions of someone else. Father, we know that sin leads to suffering. And when other people sin, it hurts us and it hurts uh, other people around us. Father, there are people in this room that are dealing with that hurt today. Father, I pray for healing for them. I pray that they would know that you are their father and that you want to lavish love on them. Father, there are others of us here that maybe it was our sin that caused the problem. Maybe we have hurt someone around us. Father, I pray that you would give us the courage to begin to reconcile with uh, maybe our rebellious children or our parents who have mistreated us. Father, uh, just pray that Plum Creek would be known as a church that values the family, just like we know you value family. And Father, that we would reach out to those who hurt the way that we know you reach out to those who hurt. And Father, most of all right now, we thank you for Jesus, and it's in his name we pray. Amen.